Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about remote success during, before, and after the pandemic with special guest, Rachel Freikoser. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate you having me. Now, Rachel, you are a business development manager in our public sector team at Intel, and we work together. Yes, yes. I enjoy that very much. So I I decided, hey, I got to bring Rachel on the show because she started this blog that is really timely. It's an awesome, it's an awesome blog. You guys should all go out and find it. You can look at it. Um, on um, RLKT, K, no, R, RLKD.online, right? I got that right finally? You, you got that right, RLKD.online. All right, so Rachel, tell me a little bit about your background first. I know everyone wants to hear that. Oh, perfect. I love talking about myself. So uh, I was born and raised in Michigan. Uh, I grew up in a family where we all stayed in one place for like 150 years. All the Clavons, it's my maiden name, all the Clavons live in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, and I was all set and settled to graduate with my computer engineering degree uh, from Michigan State and, and work at the power company for the rest of my life. I'm like, yep, this is what I want to do. And somebody in the hallway on my way to my senior design class basically clotheslined me and said, hey, I just interviewed with Texas Instruments for a technical sales position. You would be perfect for this job. Come talk to them. And that's how my career in technical sales began. Um, I spent a year in Dallas with TI doing a rotational training program. And then I deployed back to deployed back to Detroit uh, to focus on automotive business um, for semiconductors. And I bounced around a little bit, did lots of lots of automotive semiconductor sales for OEMs and the tier ones. And a uh, contact of mine reached out uh, who was at Intel and said, hey, they want to get SSDs. They want to get Intel SSDs and automotive and the, particularly this Optane technology. Do you want to work on that? Heck, yes, I do. Uh, so jumped at the chance to work for a great company like Intel. Um, Spent about 18 months driving that forward until uh, got ZBB'd as certain things uh, are wont to do here at this company. Um, and I find myself here in the uh, public sector role, uh, very fortunately covering the Midwest uh, is a lovely natural successor, completely different from everything I did before, but that's where I find myself. Well, it keeps you on your toes, right? I mean, you're doing something completely different. We're glad you joined the team. Vet, you oh. and I joined the same time, didn't we? We did. We did. Wasn't that about two years ago at this yeah, point? Yeah, about two years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Has it really been that short and long at the same time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so we, you cover a bunch of state, local government um, accounts now, right? Yep. Yep. I've got 13 states, um, uh, five of which have, I have like really proactive activity, but it's state and local K-12, higher ed, and representing the entire Intel portfolio from IOTG to the client products to data center and beyond. So how in the world, I mean, what what has COVID done to you with this? Because 
this must be a nightmare. You've got so many states to cover. That's a lot. That's a lot to cover. That's a lot to cover. And to add to to add to the dynamics of this my story here, I took the role twelve weeks pregnant and uh, kind right. of <laughs> was kind of poking over like, um, by the way, I'm gonna start this job and then leave for a little bit, uh, and then I came back uh, after maternity leave and then COVID hit. So I had basically, I've had six months of time in this role where I was able to interact with my customers and my partners in person. So that's, that's a huge, that's a huge change in the way that we think about things. So is that why you wrote your blog? Is that why you started your blog? Right. Tell, tell me why you started it. What, what's the yeah. whole deal? Well, so as long as I can remember, I've been interested in writing, um, but it always felt to me like I was coming across kind of corny or I was coming across whatever way that I didn't feel like my authentic voice. Uh, And then I was really nervous about putting that out there in front of people like, oh, that's going to, that's once it's on the internet, it's out there forever. Uh, and this blog in particular, where the focus is women in technical sales, I was always Googling help for whether that's, how do I manage a customer who isn't responding to my calls or what is an SSD when I first started, (laughs) uh, just real basic stuff from my perspective, there's really not anything out there. Um, and even getting into like, hey, I'm going on, I'm going to CES. I'm going on a conference where I'm going to have to be walking a lot. What the heck do I wear? What do I pack? What's how many different outfits am I actually going to? Yeah, need? Th- Which, there isn't a book for that anywhere, is there? There's not. There's really not. So <laughs> I see this blog as you know now in its infancy as something that could eventually be a cumulative resource for women who are in this space, or even for men, we don't exclude, uh, who are in this space and who are looking for role models, who are looking for information that comes from a perspective that they can relate to. That's that's the goal. Well, and you know, when, when you sent this blog out to the team, say, hey, give me your feedback. I read over it and I said, this is, this is a great blog because it's just really raw. It's like, hey, these are the things that we're dealing with during COVID, but also before COVID. I mean, yeah. Um, the the way that we approach sales now and technical sales, especially, is probably changed forever now. For sure, especially when we think about how how often uh, we are in front of a customer directly or a partner directly, and how often we're you know used to being in front of that customer or partner in person. Um, how we accomplish what we need to accomplish from a rapport building standpoint, from a socialization building standpoint, and then from just a getting the business done. Um, It's completely changed, Um, especially as we look forward. I don't expect it to be the same at all. No, it it probably won't. So what challenges have you found with this in in the state we're in right now, which is we can't visit customers yet. We're we're still in that state. So what have been some of the major challenges that you found now that you have to work from home? You got a brand new baby at home, right? And she's adorable, by the way. Well, thanks. Um, I would love to show her off other than just the picture, but she's she's napping. 
Thank God. Yes, I know. <laughs> we pray for those nap times. Don't wake a don't wake a sleeping baby, right? That is so true. Right. What challenges have you found working from home in mm. in this new environment? Because you guys made some major changes in your life to yeah. actually be COVID kind of forced your hand in some things. It did force our hand. So we were living in a 1200 square foot bungalow and uh, with a brand new baby. And uh, my mother is nannying for us full time during the week. And we had one office and I, my husband and I both work full time. We're both on the phone at it together, probably 14 to 16 hours a day. And we're there's no way to share one single office. So part of having a place to go, uh, even if it is just a hotel room, even if it is just the lobby of uh, an office building, uh, puts you in the mindset to to be working. And Drew and I were sharing what a small bedroom uh, to try and do work at the same time just didn't work. Uh, I moved myself down to the basement internet issues just didn't work. Dark, gloomy, nobody wants to do that. So we ended up, you know, fortunately had the financial uh, wherewithal to go ahead and buy a new house. And now we've got our two offices. Drew's got his purpose-built library study. We turned the formal dining room or formal living room of this lovely colonial into my office, put up the drywall, put up the doors. And now that's what COVID has done. That's something that I never would have said was a priority, something I want to invest my dollars in without COVID forcing that. So do you see that carrying on post-COVID? I mean, obviously you guys made an investment Oh yeah, um, of time and, and money, but probably mostly time, right? I mean, oh, yeah. setting yeah. all that up. Yeah, setting all that up, designing it, making decisions. And that's, you know, it's impacted him too. <clears throat> Excuse me. His, uh, he works in supply chain and uh, while he is actually on a trip right now, the model that uh, they've put up for uh, folks in his position is that he he should be able to work from his home office full time. Um, and that's, I was remote before the pandemic hit, uh, but we just didn't need two offices. He had a place to go. I was always other places. And now we're both going to be here when we're not on the road, we're going to be here. Yeah, so that brings up another interesting point. When when things break loose, which I'm hoping soon, do you see this home office being more? I mean, are are we still are we still going to do a lot of Zoom calls? What what do you think? I mean, how do you see that working through itself? That's a good question. Um, I think there's a whole new level of comfort we have with Zoom calls now. And I expect that it will become much more familiar and normal for us to be scheduling things over Zoom just because of the ease of scheduling. Um, and while there is a certain amount of FOMO that I, you know, fear of missing out that I'm having, yeah when I think about other folks going to have meetings and having to dial the Intel person in, I have much less trepidation about that because it's the world we've worked through for the for more than a year at this point. It's like yeah. we've been 
challenged to make use of the technology we've been given. Right, it kind of forced our hand, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I did. All right, so I'm going to ask you the same questions that you asked on your blog okay. to who you interviewed, um, which uh, was um, a friend of yours, right, named Abby? Abby Warden, yeah, she's a, an account executive at Intel as well. All right, so very cool. So I'm going to ask you the same questions, and then I'm going to compare what Abby said and what you said, because I think these are actually pretty cool uh, okay. questions. So the first question was, what are some key success successes in conducting business remotely? Yeah, so we we talked the entire time about this, you know, key successes to conducting business remotely. Uh, and there's a couple things because, you know, you're you're thrown into a dynamic where you can't. I think I say it in my blog itself. You can't just bump into your boss and build up your brand. You can't have the small talk you were used to having. Um, so. I think we landed on four key key components, um, and one of them has to do with managing up. So when you're talking to your management and you're trying to do the best that you can to put your best foot forward for them uh, and show them, yep, I am a productive and capable worker, it's almost not enough to just get your job done. You have to take it to the next level. So by anticipating what your manager needs from you. Um, and in Abby's case, it was forecasts, you know, making sure her forecast was at her fingertips. Uh, she did not need to be prompted. It was just updated on a weekly basis, ready to is. go when asked for. Yeah. Here yeah. it is. Because that That's takes cool. the load off of, off of her manager. Um, so that was a big one. So that was the managing up. Um, then there was another key component where you wanted to manage self. Um, managing self, this is the last bullet point I believe that I talk about in the blog, but it's so important to dedicate time, not first, like self-care is such a overused term now, just dedicate time for self, just for self. Um, yeah, bathe. That's a good thing, uh, but also get yourself into the headspace that you need to be in for what you're doing. I, for too long, when the pandemic began, was like, man, this is really truly great because I don't have to be on a plane or on a train over to Chicago this week. I can sleep right up until my, you know, five minutes before my meeting. Mistake, <laughs> mistake, because you're not, you're not in the right frame. And that includes, you know, can you see it? I lit my business candle. Um, I have my business blazer on. I don't have any business music because we're doing a podcast, but um, putting yourself in the right frame of mind, getting your, putting yourself in the right environment to get things done. It seems super simple, but management of self. Um, and, and that includes blocking out your calendar for the right activity. Yeah. I really like how you put that because I remember when I used to commute into the San Francisco Bay Area, it was a two-hour commute in. And when I stopped doing that commute, I was I was discombobulated for a while because I had two hours each way to get ready for the day and then decompress. And when I moved to like a 15-minute commute, um, it drove it drove my wife a little bit crazy because I would come home and I wasn't decompressed yet. Oh my gosh, um, you're still like on work. I, I was still on work. And I think uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have that problem today, 
right? We don't have time to decompress. We go from Zoom call to um, getting dinner ready, right? Or changing a diaper or whatever it is, where before yep. we had a little bit of decompression. So I love how you put that in there. I think that's awesome. Uh, we, we've got to have a transition time. Absolutely. Transition time between work, between home and work. And it's not always possible, right? Especially if you've got kids at home that need your attention. Um, but it's doing your, it's just putting forth your best effort to be mindful about, hey, this is the time when I'm going to spend on my own development. This is the time when I'm going to process my inbox. This is the time when I'm going to focus on the longer term strategic things. This is the time I'm going to lay on the ground and just decompress in the middle of the day. I love that. <sighs> I call that nap. I call that nap time. Oh yeah. yeah. About three o'clock every day. I, I need a nap. So oh, that's, that's <laughs> ideal. And, and, and the other key to that is not that nap that you take feeling no shame and no guilt about doing that because it's it's a necessary part of our functioning is to take care of ourselves and when we're in the office like you're you're everybody's kid, kidding themselves if they think that oh well i go to the office and i work for eight hours straight you don't you get up you go to the bathroom you hang out at the water cooler you interact with the people that are you around drop by you. your boss's cube exactly or a colleague's so, cube yeah you can pop your head over and say hey what do you think about that thing and that stuff is lost. So we get to feeling like if we're not 100% productive for the entire eight hour or you know, nine hour workday that everyone else is online, like what is wrong with us? What are we not, you know, we're not putting forth our best self. And that just leads to burnout. We just get burnt out. Yeah, that, that's actually a big problem I'm, that I'm hearing from a lot of other CIOs. They're starting to really worry about their workforce. Um, it's a major problem. Emma, you. Do you think that this leads to any changes in how CIOs are directing their workforce to operate? Uh, yes, I abs absolutely. I think we're going to start seeing, um, in fact, a lot of CIOs have asked me, they said, how do, how do I make sure that my um, employees are still productive? If I can't see them and if, you know, and if they're not clocking in anymore. And I said, well, that's your first problem is you're not measuring them on productiveness. You're measuring them on butts and seats, which doesn't, that's not productive. So we, we change things around a little bit and they're starting to now say, what are they getting done? Yeah. Um, and he, us in sales, since we're in sales now, it's really easy to see what we're getting done or not getting done. Right. Um, yeah. where that's much harder in, in, um, it organizations or in, you know, uh, other organizations. So you've got to, people want to accomplish something. So yeah. measure their accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I lo and I love that other CIOs are talking to you about that. That gives me, warms my heart. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're starting to see that change. All right. You have two other things. We got we can't forget about these two other things. The next one that you said was, and I love how you phrased this, but you got you to tell everyone what it means. Communicate like your job depends on it. Because it for sure does. <laughs> uh, so what I, where I wanted to 
showcase this one was your we got to differentiate between the mundane and the need to know. Um, I was very guilty of this early in my career. And I think that goes back to old culture, like butts in seats kind of mentality, where yep. the idea is if I show you bullet by bullet where I was all day, then you will know. Um, same goes with if I'm just copying boss's boss or boss on everything that goes on just so they can see that I'm doing something. Um, then my emails start to go in their mental space, just start to go into not in important. the trash can. Yeah. Yeah. Not important. <laughs> not important. Even if, even if it's just subconscious, they look at it and they go, it's probably not important because Rachel emails me 72 times a day about <laughs> literally everything. So you communicate in a way that's very targeted and have an elevator pitch. You know, make sure they have an elevator pitch ready. Uh, if someone else asks them what you're up to. So if if someone were to ask uh, Dash, hey, what's what's Ra what does Rachel have going on in the autonomous vehicle space? He would be able to hopefully very clearly, <laughs> very clearly articulate uh, the couple of bullet points that I have going on. Again, it doesn't need to be a novel. It's just what do they actually need to know about what you're doing? Now, I love how you put that because I have been a CIO before. And there have been people in my org that would send me, you know, 30, 40 emails a day. And you are absolutely right. They go into the mental trash can. Not important. It's just regurgitation. I don't need to know that stuff. But understanding what they're doing generally is, is important. So I love I love how you phrase that. Because oh, I've been guilty you. of that myself. I even I even used to write, because I'm a software engineer, right? So I used to write these little bots that would automatically send email out even on the weekends to, you know, make my boss know that I was busy. See, look, I'm doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Well, and even, even when I'm constructing minutes for, I used to send out my meeting notes, um, copying everybody under the sun and I've pared it down so much so that it's people who absolutely need to know who can get things done. Um, and if I think there's going to be a need for an escalation, then yeah, I'll forward something along in addition to, but again, what do people need to know? And can I format the actual email in a way that is really easy to digest? I, Jen Boston gave me a really good one the other day, uh, talking about structuring your, your, your email, you know, um, bottom line upfront, like, here's what I need. And then if you want to read the rest, here's the rest. I love that. That's yeah. that's a great, yeah, because, yeah, I get lazy reading email. If it doesn't tell me something in the first, you know, paragraph, forget about it. <laughs> and we get so many newsletters. We get so many, like, multiple page hyperlink here. And then the action is at the bottom. And like, oh, did you see the thing where I asked you to do? It was in red. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it was drowned by all the other stuff. <laughs> all right. The last one. I love it. This is a great one, too. Um, wave your flag by waving the flag for others. All right. Explain yes. this one. This one is my favorite because it is it it rings. It resonates so well with me. This was an Abbey original um, that I didn't realize was so powerful until I, I took a step back and had the conversation with her but as 
and I don't know if guys are this way too, because, but as a female in particular, a lot of the conversations we have tend to be around being self-conscious about raising our voice. We need our accomplishments to be known. We need people to know, you know, peers and management to understand that, yeah, we contributed, we have accomplished something. Because yeah, you don't want to come across braggy, right? But we don't want to come across boastful. Yeah, yeah. Want to come across like, and, and the other mentality too is like, well, the work should speak for itself. Like I worked hard. Here are my numbers. Like, can't you see that I'm killing it? Um, and that just does isn't the case. So a good way to make yourself more visible and to do it in a very authentic way is to call out all of the people who made it happen and say, hey, Darren was instrumental in helping me get this done. And Anna was really phenomenal at coordinating X, Y, and Z activity. And bubbling that up to their management and saying like, here's, here's what resulted, you know, here's the revenue we brought in because of the work these guys did. Here's what we supported. Here's how many people we impacted. And that way, and the way Abby says it, I believe is instead of being, you know, yay, I'm the hero. It's, this is all of us. This is what all of us have accomplished. And so you shine by proximity. I, that's, that's really important. In Intel, we actually have a great tool that helps with that. Yeah, the, the yeah. recognition tool. Um, great, great way to, to give, you know, hey, thanks for helping me out with something that, you know, was may you may have thought was trivial, but was foundational to, to helping me close this deal or whatever it was. Yeah, I love um, the recognition tool. I'm so that's something I haven't seen anywhere else. And I think it's so, so cool. Yeah, my wife wants me to do a recognition tool here at home. I mean, and I said, like you, what, you, you want me to recognize you for, you know, doing this stuff that we do every day again? She says, no, that would belittle it. So, <laughs> so cracking me up, man. So, but she, she loves my, she calls it my tip card. It's in my recognition card. She calls it my tip card. She loves That's my tip perfect. card. That's perfect. Yeah. She, she takes it out uh, for a spin every once in a while. So, which is awesome. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I need to use and abuse that guy more. Like there's so many people that I effusively just thank you, thank you, thank you. And even small things like, thanks for speaking up, speaking up on my behalf. Well, appreciate it, it. Yeah, it does something really interesting to the team dynamic. Um, we want to help each other more. Yeah, yeah. Well, which is awesome that there's not competition in the group. In fact, just the opposite. We want to help each other be successful because it's nice to get a $25 thank you, right? Because we get we get like a $25 or 50 or whatever it is, but even a small thank you and that my boss knows about it. Yes, that's the key. That's the key there too, that, you know, it's beneficial for me, not just from a fiscal point of view, but your boss gets to see that too. Like, hey, look, I'm recognizing this person for this good work. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a great thing to, if people are not using this kind of technique in, in their businesses, they should really look at this. Uh, it's, it's very powerful. All right, Rachel, this has been a wonderful time. I mean, time is just flying by any last words you want to give to, um, you know, other technical sales females out there, any advice, any, anything you want to, to share with them? Well, I hope that, you know, you'll check out the blog, 
rlkd.online. Shameless, shameless plug. But also, if if anybody out there is interested in hearing about a particular subject, I'm still, I've got a whole, I've got probably at this point, 120 lines of content that is <laughs> planned. There's so much I want to talk about, knowledge that I want to share, interviews that I want to post, technical one-on-ones, runs the gamut, anything at all as a female technical person, salesperson, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I would love to hear what you'd like to hear more about so I can make it relevant for you. Uh, this is awesome. I can't wait to talk to you again in six months because we are going to do this because I want to see how things are going uh, with your blog yeah. and your following. Um, oh, I'll be following it for sure. So well, good. Well, thank you so much, Darren. I really appreciate I really appreciate the time today. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and do something wonderful.